1: You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org, a nonprofit member supported radio station. We're millions strong, with folks tuning in from over 200 countries. We are education. We are entertainment. We are the future of food. May is our membership drive. Become a member and support us while receiving e newsletters, advanced invites, special discounts, and a membership card. We need your support. Visit our website and click the donate button to become a member today. Thank you for believing in us and enjoy the show.
2: This hey there! Happy Memorial Day from a gorgeous sunny Monday in Brooklyn. Um, it's a great day for cooking, and uh, it's the beginning of the summer. So summer Fridays, shorts wearing, and whatever that, whatever else that means to you. Um, and uh, I have a confession to make: I hate baking. And I, you know, whenever it comes down to having to make dessert for maybe a dinner party or bringing something to a potluck or picnic, I do not like baking, especially in the summer, especially when it's warm out and you don't want to crank up the oven. So my guest today is going to help me um, with some ideas for that. She is Faith Durand, the executive editor of Apartment Therapy's The Kitchen. How are you?
3: Hi, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great.
2: Thank you. Um, <laughs> your book is gorgeous. So Faith just thank published. You. It's really amazing. Um, Faith just published a book, and it's on you know a single topic, but done so well. It's called Bakeless Sweets, uh, Pudding, Panna Cotta Fluff, Icebox Cake, and More No-Bake Desserts. I don't know what an icebox
3: cake is yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should definitely talk about that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> So um, tell me a little bit about the evolution, because e- you have an interesting um, uh, position because you see what a lot of people enjoy reading when it comes to recipes. Yeah. Like mi- 5 million people read Apartment Therapies, The Kitchen. You've been editing it for, I don't know how long, 10 years or something? Oh, yeah,
3: not quite. It's about five or six years now. and Yeah, and we've grown a lot, and so it's really fun to watch what people respond to on the web. You really right. get this kind of inside view on what America wants to eat. Um, and so and the that's book a, very unique, that.
2: That's a unique position that you're in to, to edit um, a, a, such a huge website um, and see it's such a well, um, not only a huge website, but a very well-read and very um, vocal community of commenters. <laughs>
3: Too, we so. have such a great community. Yeah, yeah they're great. We love them. <laughs>
2: so congrats to that. And this is your first book, right, that you've published? I
3: actually did another book called oh. Not Your Mother's Casseroles a while ago, but it was under um, a specific brand. And so in some ways, I feel like this is my first kind of book out of, you know, that's, that's really... You. Yeah, um, although I love casseroles as well. That was a really fun book to (laughs) do. (laughs) Um, But for summertime, this is definitely a better book, so it's fun to get out there and talk about it.
2: Um, You say in the introduction, um, this book is about no-bake desserts and, um, you know, even pie crusts in the icebox desserts chapter are no bake. Why? Because it often seems like baked desserts get all the attention. And I wanted to throw this easy, pleasurable category of sweets, its very own party. Um, so yeah, bakeless sweets. Tell me more about this, because I came up with putting, you know, maybe, um, I don't know, creme, creme brulee? Is that, yeah, that's bakeless. So.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, it's often baked, but I do it bakeless in this book because I find baking puddings and water baths a little bit fussy (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I always seem to mess it up and so I really like the no-bake I I would prefer to do it no bake. So I do a no bake creme brulee in here. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think pudding is just something that everybody loves. I mean, I make butterscotch pudding for parties sometimes, and people are just like, Uh. oh my gosh, (laughs) did you you make this from a box? You know? And I'm like, no, No. you don't need a box to make butterscotch pudding. And it's just so pleasurable. People seem to really love it. And yet everyone's shelves are packed with books on, you know, baking. And And I love baking, too you know, croissants and cakes and cupcakes and, um, Cake pops, wherever those fall, and <laughs> the yeah. no bake thing. Um, but, you know, but in the end, I was just like, there's really no book out there for, for just pudding and panna cotta, which are, I think, some of the best Flan. and easiest desserts. Uh, what else is there? Similar, there's like, uh, you know, every culture has a
2: similar, there's like mango, Thai sticky um, rice pudding. Yeah. You have a great mm-hmm. recipe for. So you really travel the globe here. And I love, like, the sophisticated touches. Like, you have this rose and berry pudding. Um, yeah, I there's love that one. these really cute peach jellies with cherries stuffed inside. And it's kind of like that, yeah. you know, 60s little housewife jello molded <laughs> thing, but yeah. it's made with fresh peaches instead. Exactly. Um, so exactly. H- how did these powdered instant puddings and jello, i um, sorry to single out that one company, um, but you know what I mean? <laughs> Gelatin desserts come to, like, just erase our understanding of how to make desserts, like panna That's a really good
3: question. I read a little bit about that while I was doing the book, you know, and I just think it was part of the movement in the, you know, 40s and 50s and 60s of, you know, these growing food companies to really make home cooking more, quote unquote, convenient. And there, there were a lot of great advances, you know, in food packaging and processing during those times, but it also sort of flattened out some of our historical knowledge of, you know, just how easy some of these things can be you know gel- making gelatin at home all it takes is like a pinch of you know unflavored gluten-free gelatin and un- you juice. know and then and fruit juice yeah. and you can put them together and it's basically jello jigglers with no extra. And it's no just extra. as fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. delicious and and easy. <laughs> that blows <laughs> so my you don't mind. need
2: a box. Yeah. It it's just amazing how that whole category um is associated now with these like bright food coloring and artificial flavors.
3: Yeah, it's unfortunate I think because these desserts. Number one, they're very easy. Number two, they're naturally gluten free. So everybody who needs to eat gluten free, these are just. It's a whole other category that doesn't need special flours or leavenings or anything mm-hmm. like that. But then also the one one of the things I really love about no bake desserts is it's much easier to control the amount of sugar in them. Again, a lot of oh. people are very sensitive to sugar, and sugar in baking is is it, it's a big part of the chemical process. You adjust sugar in a. Case recipe at your own peril or, yeah. you know, exchange it for Splenda or whatever. It's tricky. Huh. Whereas in a pudding, you can add just as much sugar as you I like see. without changing the texture. So that is very these, true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these aren't, you know, I wouldn't call these like health recipes. These are very indulgent. You know, I like really, really delicious desserts. But if people are sensitive to that, it's it's just another advantage of pudding.
2: Well, I, I think that, you know, some of the just the pure ingredients, uh, it really deconstructs um, a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, richer, indulgent desserts because, you know, it doesn't have artificial ingredients. Um Uh, Going back to the pudding, though, versus, you know, so real pudding versus the instant pudding. Yeah. I I think there's a few ways you could possibly make pudding, but maybe something having, because whenever I made it, it was like whisking, you know, egg yolks rapidly Mm -hmm. um, and letting that set as a custard or something. Um, Maybe, do you think that there was um, a little bit of hesitation when it comes to recipes involving raw, raw eggs?
3: perhaps that is. I mean, it's they are cooked in the custards, although they're not in classic mousse, say. Those often involve raw egg whites. Right. But, you know, in a classic custard, I think people get intimidated by oh, how do I know if the egg is cooked enough? Or how do I know if... You know, this is, how do I make sure there are no lumps? It just looks a little bit trickier. And so that was part of the process of doing this book is that each chapter kind of describes a different technique. And I try to really take time to say, this is how you make a custard. And once you sort of get the basic technique down, you're good. Like, you'll just know it. You can almost do it off the top of your head. Or this is how you make a panna cotta. This is the basic, you know, um, formula for Mm -hmm. it. And once you know that, you can just whip it up. Um, and, I, and I think that there's some element here of people have gotten so used to baking and there are so many awesome baking books out there that I love, but I felt like there was room for another book that did some of those similar mm-hmm. technique based things for pudding because I just think it should be part of everybody's repertoire.
2: Yeah, and and once you understand those basics, you can go crazy with flavors, um, get totally. creative, and you don't have to stick with the flavors that they give you and the varieties uh, on the shelf. totally. And you totally. really you really you really came up with some like you have a lot of classics but what I love most are the crazy ones um, there's like a sour <laughs> cream and peach something there's a chai white chocolate yeah chai white chocolate budino oh. that's one of my
3: favorites what is budino? It looks like pudding. What's, a, what's yeah, the difference? Yeah, so budino is it's just Italian for pudding, and it's one of these funny words that restaurants have taken and used for whatever they want to use it <laughs> for. So, so I've seen budino. Um, you know, Nancy, uh, Nancy Silverton has, like, this famous butterscotch budino that she serves, I think, with creme fraiche and sea salt that... Um, is wonderful, but it's really just a very, very rich pudding. And then I've oh. seen other people call, like, sort of the oven, you know, like those oven-baked, spongy cakes, That's self-saucing cakes. Um, the, people call those budinos. Uh, what? It's like lemon oh. spongettes or oh, chocolate, okay. you know, chocolate I've pudding cakes. I've seen cake. that
2: before. Okay.
3: Yeah, and so I just think it's a word. It's an Italian word, and I just think it, people just take it to use however however they want to use it. So mm-hmm. how I chose to use it in the book is I applied it to four puddings that I made just extra, extra rich. These are puddings to be I eaten see. in smaller portions. They're very special. They're very luxurious. Um, and yep. I could just have a little more fun with them. <laughs> so panna cotta,
2: which is cooked cream, that's also Italian. And it's yeah. it's actually set with gelatin, not eggs like a, like a right. custard. Um is that also... Does it must... Is it, like, inherently very rich because it's called cream? You know, like, you have to use cream? You or? know, it
3: can be, and then it can also be very light. And the beautiful thing about gelatin is that it'll set anything. anything. So yeah. I feel, I actually wrote an article in the kitchen a couple months ago about how I think panna cotta is just my perfect dessert, mm. It's the ultimate dessert, because y- it's very easy. Number one, it takes five minutes to make it at the most. It's mm. so simple. And everyone thinks it's difficult because they eat yeah. it in restaurants and it's so smooth and it's so special, yeah. but actually it's just this marvelous party trick you can do at home. Um, but, um, but you can also thicken, I, I, my strawberry panna cotta in the book, I actually replace a lot of the dairy in it with strawberry puree, oh, wow. which of course is much lighter and it gives this amazing fresh strawberry taste. And so and I do that also with a grapefruit panna cotta. So they can be very rich and very luxurious, and they usually are, but you can also make them very light. Um, I do a dairy-free one with almond milk and amaretto. Oh, my gosh. That's yum. incredibly delicate. It just sort of melts in your mouth. Um, almond
2: milk is creamy, though. I can totally see that working well.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really, really delicious. Yeah. I I didn't do much with soy milk at all in this book. I yeah. found that I didn't love it in pudding so much. But almond milk and coconut milk are really wonderful for the dairy-free the dairy free crowd. I've
2: seen yogurt used a lot for panna cotta, like in recipes. Yeah,
3: I do that in here, too. Although my favorite is sour cream. Sour uh-huh. cream in a panna cotta is rich and Similar, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. i that's my favorite. And that was <laughs> strawberries.
2: Cotta. I was at the farmer's market uh, two days ago, and there's just strawberries everywhere, and they smell so strawberry-y and yeah. fresh. And I know I'm going to let some of those um, get a little bit past their prime in my fridge. So I think making something like your strawberry pur- puree uh, panna cotta, is that it?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's that's, um, yeah, it's actually stra- that one has yogurt in it actually a bit as well. So strawberry yogurt panna cotta. That's the perfect use for overripe strawberries in my opinion. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it sounds wonderful. It's not too cooked.
2: Sometimes when strawberries are like in a pie, it's like a little too jammy for me. Um, yeah. I like the cold, you know, strawberry. The, there's some healthy ones, I have to say. There is some <laughs> there you have the quinoa. <laughs> it's it, this this sounds to me like um a variation on like a rice pudding. Um, It's a creamy lemon coconut quinoa pudding. Now, where did yes. you ever come up with that idea? Like, do they make quinoa <laughs> puddings in South America? Like, what?
3: I know. I think I just have seen how much whole grains have captured the imagination of cooks lately. Um, Maria really? Speck in her um, book, Ancient Grains for Modern Meals, she's a friend, and I just love it. Mm. And I really wanted to do a few puddings in the book that moved past rice and showed off some other grains. And these are definitely more um, hearty. Like, for instance, there's a millet pudding that I'm like honestly you could eat that for breakfast and you would be just fine it's not a super super rich dessert but the quinoa I love quinoa I feel like it's very adaptable to sweet things it has this sort of nutty even slightly bitter taste that I think makes a nice foil for sweetness um so that one but I but I find that quinoa and sweet things does need something really to highlight it and so I I think the lemon is really important there. That Um,
2: was that was really clever. I I just really like that one because you know quinoa has that sort of nutty flavor. I think they're actually technically seeds. Am I correct? Yeah, because they have a lot of protein. Um and you know I I grew up with sesame seed desserts so it's um, oh delish. I love those
3: I didn't do much of sesame in this book and I wish I could have I love sesame seeds sounds so like much. you have room for
2: a sequel then <laughs>
3: <laughs> I would love to oh my gosh there's so many that's the thing is almost every culture you were talking about getting things from all over the world and almost every culture outside of the West and outside of Europe doesn't really use oven no so almost all of their desserts are no bake you know all of my Chinese. And Indian friends, all of their desserts are no bake. I could have Mango done a whole pudding. book of just Indian yeah. <laughs> Indian desserts. They're my favorite.
2: Wow, yeah. And you really use those those flavors well and um, cleverly. Like you, you have a lot of like just twist of your own. Um, I'm looking at this papaya that you scooped oh, out the yeah. seeds and then you filled with the custards and then sliced it up so they have like instead of the seed pocket, like where it has, like, the, when they're sliced, like, I can't describe it. I'm looking at the photo. Yeah. You know what I mean. It's filled with the (laughs) custard.
3: Yeah, that was something I've seen elsewhere in Malaysia, Malaysian desserts and Indonesian desserts, um, this idea of putting coconut, you know, kind of a coconut panna cotta almost inside of fruit and then slicing it up, and it's so pretty. They did such a good job with that photo.
2: Well done. All right, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, and we'll be right back chatting more about Bikla Sweets and more great oh,
0: well,
3: this song is called Thank You by the California Honey Drops on the Heritage Radio Network
1: keep it locked for more Eat Your Words with Kathy Irway
0: oh,
1: Today's program has been brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world class aged and cured meats their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of berkshire pork optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate perfect balance between sweet and salty for more information visit www.surryfarms.com.
2: hey hey we're back chatting with faith Duran. she just came out with the bakeless sweets a wonderful cookbook and she's the editor of the kitchen um how are you Hi. Um so you're based in Columbus, Ohio. I am. Um is that a
3: big foodie town or is that It actually is. It's really it's a really good town for food. We have really great markets here and some really And of course, Jenny's ice cream is here. I know a lot of people oh, right, become right. big fans of Jenny's ice cream and um so yeah, it's it's a good town for food.
2: So how did you balance um, working on this cookbook, and I guess your last one too, um, you know, you have a busy job running the whole site, um, you know, making sure all the posts, and this is like a constantly updated kind of blog or site. (laughs) Yeah. So what was it like? Like, did you have to take time off? Like, how did you, did you think this was ultimately a good thing for the kitchen as well, or like...
3: I mean, I hope bit. so. I think part of our goal at the site is to always make sure that, you know, everybody has a chance to do other projects they mm-hmm. want to do. Like our recipe editor, Emma, also just came out with a book called True Brews about fermented beverages, and that just came out last week. And oh, yeah. so we we've all been, in the we mail. all sort of have our side projects. Um, so, But for me, I, I mostly worked on this in the evenings, so it was a lot of work, evenings yeah. and weekends. My husband was like, wow, that was you were gone (laughs) it was a lot of cooking and he does all the dishes bless his heart so he he was really great about it but yeah it's a lot of work to do a book and it's so different of course from Mm -hmm. from working on the web so So
2: different um like what was what was the biggest difference I guess for you I
3: mean if I and I think you can relate to this as well I mean there's just this total difference between the the immediacy of the feedback. Mm-hmm. I can have an idea for a little post I want to do in the kitchen and do it ten minutes later, and then two minutes later, a reader is like, "Oh, feedback. that idea needs yeah. some improvement." <laughs> yeah, it's just immediate feedback. Whereas with the with the book, it's I wrote these recipes some of them over two years ago and here only just now I'm hearing from people that they've tried them and they like them. So that's a really, it's a really long time, but it's it's satisfying in a different sort of way. It
2: is set in stone, let's say. You can't go back into your WordPress dashboard. Um, So like, did you come into food writing hoping to write cookbooks one day or did you you know what was that for what was that like for you like uh the whole evolution of, of transitioning yeah. to a print book and just ended up writing this you know this website instead and
3: you know i've always done a lot on the web and i really love the web i feel like the web uh writing on the web sometimes gets short shrift from writers it's considered you know very ephemeral or not very good, and certainly it's very easy to publish on the web, and you can you can write a lot that doesn't go through an editorial process. But on the other hand, the web has so many possibilities for interaction and um, just new kinds of knowledge being distributed. I, I just find the web totally fascinating, and I've always been... Um, somewhat obsessed by it. So I really love writing for our audience at the kitchen. I just think that they bring so much to it and together we're sort of creating this document mm-hmm. of home cooking that's Ye- you know, it goes beyond what I could do by myself. Right. But so I feel like I honestly, like, the web in some ways is my first love, even right. though I really appreciate the chance to do cookbooks. And honestly, for me, like, pudding is just such a, um, I, I just feel very passionate about it. I just feel like there's nothing else out there for, mm-hmm. for pudding and for yeah. no make desserts that I was, like, this just needs to happen. So I, right. I feel very passionate about, the, about yeah. the topic. I mean, you and I clearly share,
2: like, we grew up with the web, you know, first yes. and foremost. Yes. And I, I guess a lot of people in our generation, the ones you know, further, are going to be encountering their writing, um, getting their feet wet the same way. Um, yeah. Do you plan to write more books?
3: I don't know. I think for me I I really respect people who have built a career on really excellent books, you know, one every year, one every two years. I don't necessarily see that for myself. I think that for me it's really about the topic and it's mm-hmm. really about being feeling passionate about something. Right. We also just finished doing a book for the kitchen, which will be out from Clark Clarkson Potter in fall twenty fourteen. So I bet that's that looks gorgeous. It'll be really fun. I'm really excited about it. Um, but there was, that was a big push here. We just finished that. So I'm like, you know, I think a few months not doing any books would be great, would be yeah, good right. probably. Uh, but it's it, we're really excited about that
2: book. So, Faith, tell me, um, did it ever cross your mind? Did you consider for this topic that was worthy um, of exploring more, Bakeless Sweets, did you think about maybe I should just start a whole site devoted to this? Instead that's a good of a question.
3: Book. <laughs> <laughs> you know it didn't i think i think there was a need for a book and i have my hands full at the kitchen right now right. we're very we're very busy but Our you, know, you never know
2: column eh? i don't know i uh, wonder if, i wonder if writers of the future will will think about that instead of a print book if that's if that's the yeah way of going. I think wow. so.
3: I think that the web the web has so much to offer, and it, it the audience is very large on the web it's, mm-hmm. there's a very low bar to entry, and so it's really fun to write for that and I did try to leverage the web somewhat with this book, like i we could only shoot maybe fifty photos for the recipes, so mm-hmm. I myself shot. All the rest of the recipes for the book's website. Because I'm like, people anymore are used to having a photo for every recipe. That's part of what the web has done. So, you know, they're all there. People want to see a photo. They can see a photo.
2: Interesting. So your website kind of complements the book. Like, so if I don't have a photo actually for um, fruit jelly to unmold for cut. Oh, wait, that's not really. That's a technique recipe. I I do
3: put a photo up of that, though. yeah, like a basic fruit jelly, or you know, the tiramisu, or the coffee. Kara Kara orange
2: mousse does not have a photo. Will I find it online?
3: Yeah, they're actually. I'm just finishing putting the rest of them up, and that'll that'll go up today. Probably. Wow. Yeah. It was a lot thorough. (laughs) It was really interesting.
2: Um, Yeah, because it's like, why not? You take you had to do these, and you make great photos. So let's share them. Um, that's, that's fascinating to me. Um, so we talked a little bit about some of my highlights, what hands down, like any one favorite food or recipe from this?
3: Uh you know, we mentioned icebox cakes earlier, and I have to say icebox cakes are a real love. So basically, what an, icebox cake, yeah, <laughs> I so an icebox cake is this sort of, I think of it as being very Midwest, although it might be Southern as well, dessert where you take graham crackers or cookies and you layer them with either whipped cream or pudding, and then you put them in the fridge, and they sort of soften into this, I mean, it's just mm. like a magic trick, like this eclair-type, tender flaky cake it's really delicious oh, they're, very of the they're very easy yeah. they're very yeah they're they're very generous like they will feed usually a crowd and i i grew up in a large family of eight kids and so my mom would often make them. They're just super simple. And so I have a real love for those. I, I think that they make people happy. And also, I did a strawberry icebox cake on the kitchen a couple years ago, and it's been viewed like a million times, maybe over a million times. So it's it's one of our more popular recipes, and it was definitely part of my inspiration for the book. It really brings the web into the book. Cause wow. I saw, oh, my gosh, all these people love this icebox cake, and I don't see any books out there. Huh? That really focus on this, so I think it's time for one. I get
2: it now. That's that's pretty clever. Like crushing the the bottom and then getting it all, you know, refrigerated and the ice box. It's a really cute word. I'm yeah. Sorry.
3: I don't know why I never heard. I'm so East Coast. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They're so easy. They're so simple. You should totally. You should totally try one. You can put in fresh fruit. You can just use whipped cream, and they just—they're the greatest picnic dessert. All right. So
2: it's Memorial Day. What are you cooking today for this? i don't know if you're having a party or something or just doing something nice
3: <laughs> oh man i just got off a plane i was actually in london all week which was really lovely especially because oh, they're so good with puddings obviously uh-huh. um i ate strawberry fool and jellies and galore um so today i'm going to keep it pretty simple i'm probably just going to grill some chicken and, and and relax at home right take a break that sounds yeah. good <laughs>
2: Um, so uh, that's about all the time we have for today and um, definitely check out more of Faith's uh, writing on The Kitchen that's without an E it's the kitchen, uh, <laughs> dot com. and uh, Bakeless Sweets is out on stores um, beautiful photography by the way um, you can't see that on radio so you'll have to go check it out in stores Yeah. Um, thanks everyone at Heritage and happy Memorial Day we'll see you next week